Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,278. Today we're going to be talking with a young man who's figured out a way to wrap his love for photography and videography into a business that provides great solutions for his clients. So be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Littleton, Colorado, with a very special guest by the name of David Glesner. David, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am. All right. Well, lay some stripes. So before I give you a proper introduction, I would love you to share one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, David. Most people probably don't know that I used to be an artist. I drew pretty much everything but cars. I drew uh, people, athletes. I would basically go in like magazines and sort of implicate that onto paper. And then I did, I've done some landscapes. I wanted to be an architect, so I did houses as well. Do you still do drawing? Is that something you do on the side or for fun? Or No, it's it's something that I think I stopped probably 10 years ago or something. So who knows if I'm still good? <laughs> well, I really have never sketched. <laughs> there's some muscle memory there, but... Uh, there might- definitely could be. My father was an architect, and he used to take us uh, to places, and we always had sketchbooks. And he, we'd play a little game. He would say, okay, I want you to draw that tree, but I only want you to draw the leaves, not the entire tree, which would force force us to really look in detail at things. Like we'd go to the San Diego Zoo, grew up in San Diego, and he would say, okay, we're going to draw the monkeys today, but just draw their face or just draw their hands. Or, And his goal was not only to get us to focus on drawing, be creative, mm-hmm. but to focus and be able to focus on things and really look at things with detail because so much of us just glaze over everything and we don't see the details. But you as an artist realize that because you have to pick up on the details, right? Yep. I think like the biggest thing when I became a drawer or when I was younger, I really wanted to make it into the Sports Illustrated for kids. Oh, yeah. They had like I remember that they had a drawing section, and I was like, "Oh, I could do better than this," or like, "I could do this." And I don't think I ever submitted something, but there was one uh, drawing that I did of my favorite football player, which ironically is not my favorite team. It was Victor Cruz. Okay, and I tried to submit it, and I don't think I ever did. I have like the writing on how to submit it, but I never actually submitted it, and I don't know where. The drawing went. Probably in your mom's basement or something, or attic or closet. <laughs> something like that. Who yeah. Knows? Yeah, I think so. When my father passed away, my sister and I were going through all those things, and we found boxes of all those sketchbooks. He had saved all of them. Oh, wow. All the, yeah, and there were a lot of them. Yeah, he was very big into art, so very cool. Well, some of this then has transferred over into what you do today, so let me give you an introduction. David Glesner is the founder and owner of David Glesner Works. It's a media production company. He and his team specialize in the marketing, automotive, and lifestyle content as well as consumer products. He's a Denver-based commercial photographer and director 
that's been in the industry for over six years. Some of his clients include Avosin and HRE Wheels, know them well, Fort Locks, Super Street, ATC Trailers, and a rap mate to name just a few. David and his team's goals strive to adapt their own twist and style in their media production that leaves long and lasting impressions on consumers and success with their clients' goals. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Thinking about selling your classic or exotic car? Selling a classic or specialty car can be very complicated. Where to list it? How to take the best photos and videos? What information should you be including? How to answer tough questions from potential buyers? It can be a lot to handle, and doing these things wrong can cost you thousands of dollars. But don't worry. My friends at Classic.com are here to help. Classic.com pros know how to properly market your automobile, plus they'll help you determine the proper asking price, define your marketing strategy, present the offer, and they'll handle all the inquiries, removing you and your emotions from the equation. I have no doubt that your special ride is unique, and your marketing plan should be too. So be smart. Contact the experienced pros at Classic.com today. Their extensive network will ensure your car gets in front of qualified buyers. They will eliminate those pesky tire kickers and scammers. Plus, when your vehicle sells, they'll handle all the paperwork and logistics, making the entire process like a nice drive in the country. Talk to the pros today about selling your car. Just go to classic.com slash cars. Yeah, today and tell them Mark sent you. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, David, I want to go back in time a little bit. You touched on the fact that you liked to draw back when you were younger, but I'd like to go back to when this this all started with your creativity and your love for photography, which evolved into videography, and how David Glesner works came about. So take us on a little journey. I guess basically it started, I mean, I got into cars pretty much as soon as I got out of the womb. Uh, I've been to, there's a big old Denver Auto Show, where I've been to that place from 
age one to 18. Oh my gosh. And then COVID shut it down and I haven't been since. But I should be going this year because it's finally up again. It's back. Cool. I started out going to car shows. And I think when I got older and older, when I got my phone, I would take photos, thousands of photos. I would take them on, at first, my Nintendo DS. And then I had a flip phone. Then I had my first iPhone. Then I had some other phones. And all that time, I just kept on taking more and more photos. And they were all phone photos. They were terrible. But... I'd go to these car shows and then I'd eventually start going to more. I went to the Conqueror's Day Elegance at Arapahoe Community College. I'd take a bunch of photos there. I'd take a bunch of photos at Cars and Coffee. And then basically when I turned 16, I got my first car. Lots of memories in that car, but it really allowed me to basically drive anywhere. So I drove to different Cars and Coffee and I eventually... Uh, used my dad's camera to take actual photos when I found out it was a career. And I just started taking photos at events. And then I got approached by a couple people to do like private shoots. It kind of started out from there. I did a couple private shoots. Actually, my first ever shoot was at an Ikea, where, which is where everyone shot because maybe the bright colors in the background is that no, i i don't know why I, people ever shot at ikea i mean i guess you could still shoot it but it definitely isn't the best location <laughs> but i shot there and didn't know what time of day didn't know how to position the cars i brought uh, my friend from school who did photography that i didn't know did photography and he took me on some events and then i told him i gotta shoot and uh, we ended up shooting a GTR. Uh, it was a Skyline GTR. I think it was an R32. It's owned by a good friend of mine, Justin. And he ended up bringing out another guy who has a GTR, an R32 GTR. And his name is Kevin. And those two were my first ever photo shoot. And the photos turned out crap. They said that they say they were they were still very good. And to my standards, I'm like, I could have taken better phone photos. I gave them a phone photo. I delivered them a phone photo. But you learned, right? The process. Yeah, no, you learn from your mistakes. That's the biggest thing. Like I've learned from so many mistakes and trial and error and just doing different things with photography and then the business side as well. Well, let's transition into when you started what you're doing, when you realize, okay, I think I can have a business doing this thing that I love so much. What caused that occurrence to, to take that bold step? Because that's, that's a bold step for a lot of people. Yeah, it definitely is. I think it started basically when I first turned 16 in order to get a car, I had to get a job. So I got a job at like these restaurants and I worked restaurants for about two years and then I eventually quit. And then that's when I turned into full-time with photography. But I talked to uh, a good friend of mine. His name is Trevor. And he, I, I saw his Instagram work. And then I was realizing like the clientele that he was working for were like for manufacturers and like big companies. There was Tesla. There was Lamborghini. There was tons of manufacturers that he shot for. And I ended up when he was coming to Denver for a shoot, I talked to him for probably an hour or two. And he gave me the rundown of like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do commercial photography or editorial photography? And the biggest difference was, well, commercial is 
higher quality jobs, it's less jobs in a year. You don't have to grind like 30 shoots a month. You can do one shoot a month for 12 or for 12 months. And then editorial was less polished images. It was like shoot it as you see it type of photography. And you basically would shoot one to two shoots a day and do that for 30 days or something. So I chose like the commercial photography because I was getting into Photoshop and all that sort of stuff. And you can do a lot in Photoshop compared to like a different just basic photo editing app. So when I got into Photoshop, I learned a lot and I'm sure I definitely over edited things because I would, I don't know, add fire flames, add smoke, add stuff in there. And then over the years, I've kind of kept it more subtle and tried to capture everything in camera just because that will always be more realistic. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned uh, looking at somebody's work. And one thing I've learned over time and and being in the creative field for so many decades is that we don't really live in a vacuum. We get influenced by a lot of things around us. And when I have people on this show or young people that want to get into this business, I always say, go out and look at what the professionals are doing. Uh, You don't need to reinvent the wheel in many ways. You can put your touch on it. But if you think about you, was there a driving inspiration in your life, a mentor that maybe stands out or an influential person that helped you make that big leap into the profession that you're in today? There's definitely a lot of people. I think the I always saw because I uh, I was subscribed or my, my dad was subscribed to Cars and Driver magazine and Motor Trend for I don't know he's still subscribed to it and I would see those photos and before I got into Instagram and stuff I even though it has credits I never actually read the magazine I just looked at the photos and I was more fascinated by the ad work and it was kind of like you get the and they didn't get the credit. But it was like these big old ad works and it was for tire companies, it was for manufacturers. And I was like, how the hell did they do this? I think that's very common. And the the thing that when I look back to my early career before the internet, there's some aging of me and so forth, <laughs> you know, we that was magazines is where you looked. And, and a magazine, it doesn't have anything to do with cars, but if you think about it, think about Vogue magazine. I don't know how it is today. I haven't looked at it in decades. But back in the day, yeah, it was like a big advertisement. There was, it was just ad after ad after ad. And I worked as a creative director at an ad agency and we did some style work. We would rent, you know, hire professional models and this clothing and things and go to shoot. Sometimes we'd go on location out of the country. And mm-hmm. you'd look at some of these photographers and you're right. Some had some became very famous because of their style and the way they shot people and the way they more more so the way they lit. But many of them yeah. were inspirations into some of the work that we would do because and even our clients would say, I want it to look like this. And you say, well, okay, that's we don't want to copy that, but we can take that yep. idea and so forth. But that's why I usually tell people is uh you know, look at people who are successful, emulate them at first, and then put your own style on it. Uh, that's something I learned from a client that I had way back, a guy by the name of Tony Robbins. Uh, inspirational. Oh, I've... Yeah, now everybody's oh, heard of Tony Robbins. He's been around <laughs> yeah, forever. I met him on a beach one morning when I was coming out of the water from a surf session. He's hard to miss. He's a giant man. And yeah, uh, ended up landing him as a client when he was just starting out and Something he taught me, uh, he said, Mark, don't reinvent the wheel. Take the successes of others and put your own flair on it. And that's how his entire career to this day was built, is taking the the way other people do things successfully and then putting his flair on it, if you will, 
Um, yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, it's a, it's a interesting and good way to develop your own style, especially if you're young and trying to find your way. How about challenges? I always like to ask people if they've had a great challenge in their career so far or in their life, but looking back, even though it might've been painful, what was the valuable lesson? So is there a situation like that for you? I mean, there's been a lot of challenges I've had. I mean, the hardest part is sort of finding your style. It took me a lot of like emulating different photographers. There were photographers that I really liked. The first one that I discovered on Instagram was Guy with a Camera 415. I really loved his work. And the first, my first paid shoot, I spent hours upon hours trying to emulate his style. And pff, I might have got one shot that looked maybe 20% to his photo. <laughs> and then the rest were just crap. And then I started to emulate other people. There was Pepper Yandel, Frederick Slossler, and then some of my actual like mentors and stuff that challenged me to not emulate their style as much was uh, William Stern, who does a ton of wheel photography, and then Dale Martin. Those two guys, they're much older, and they've been doing it for a while. And I remember I discovered them on Instagram, and I really liked their style, and they told me what I could do with my photos. They're like, you're doing too much. Overthinking it or trying to put too much into an image? or Over-editing stuff. Oh, okay. And not knowing how to shoot, not using your lighting, not using a good location or finding better locations, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so the challenge was basically just finding my style. Like I, I watched YouTube videos, I practice every day trying to edit and I'd over edit and under edit. And I think I eventually just found a balance after a long, long, long time. Well, it's about seat time. I think when you get behind a camera or a video yep. camera, I've, I've interviewed hundreds of automotive photographers on this show and they've yep. all taught me a little bit about things. I have one in mind that as you were talking, Carl Noakes, who he was a Microsoft IT guy for years, a mm-hmm. high up manager. He's retired now and loves photography and he's become a very, very great automotive photographer, action stuff, racing and still shots. And one of the things he said on my show, which I look back now because I was a creative director in advertising for years is for photographers, many of them just look at the subject. They don't look at the background first. And he learned from yeah. a mentor to always look at the background first and then the subject. And yep. that will accentuate the subject. So that's a little little tip that he shared with me. But uh, I think you did it the right way, uh, for sure, David, is look at other people's work. We talked about that earlier. And then as you develop their skill sets, now find a way to make it your own. And you definitely... Yep. Definitely have gotten there. You know, you're a car guy, and I know you do other kinds of shoots other than just cars, uh, also motorcycles, mm-hmm. of course. But I'd love for you to share a special vehicle story, a car that you've had that really stands out, and maybe share a memory about that ride. I mean, I, I've only had two cars. I've had my Mazda CX-5, and then I, I just got a Ram 1500. Love that truck, by the way. But the Mazda, yeah, that's been through hell and back, probably. I probably shouldn't have owned that car. It was... Now, why do you say that? It wasn't too nice of a car, but it wasn't too crappy of a car to where, like, I felt like I could do whatever to it and nothing would happen. It didn't cost anything. But then it wasn't too nice of a car where I didn't want to drive it at all or take it for some fun. And when I was a lot younger... 
uh, my friends who are still my friends today, um, we'd go drifting. We'd go to the dirt lot in like my friend's backyard or, or something. He has a big old house and there's a big dirt lot. And we drift around in a Mazda CX-5 four-wheel drive. <laughs> and and I always told my dad because there were there were definitely some bumps and bruises <laughs> that that car took on. I was like, out of the amount of times that I've drifted, the percentage of me actually hitting something or denting the car, you know, is pretty slim. But <laughs> it was probably maybe four or five times out of the hundreds of times I drifted. And I was like, that's a pretty good percentage. <laughs> not bad. Yeah, you lucked out. Yeah, you it's not bad. some bullets there <laughs> in a way. But Mazdas are fun. Yeah. And then it's been through a lot. It's been on a ton of road trips. I went to Grand Junction and back for a photo shoot. I left Grand Junction or left for Grand Junction at like 1130 at night. Oh, goodness. To get to sunrise in Grand Junction or earlier before sunrise by like 530. It was just pitch black. Definitely a challenge. And then I went back the same day after having some pancakes and <laughs> finishing the shoot and driving. And I was still extremely tired, but good thing it wasn't pitch black. <laughs> so the car's been through a lot, but it basically ended when I was heading out to Vail because one of my other photographers that I look up to, Andrew Link, he was in Vail shooting a rally. And I was like, okay, an hour and a half, I'll drive. I don't care. I, I want to meet him. I want to learn as much as I can about him and See if he has any advice for me because, you know, we've spoken on Instagram and stuff. And that's how I mostly talk to these guys because they're in different states and such. So when he was in Denver, I was like, oh, I'm going. I don't care how far. So I drove to Denver. I drove to Vail and got to meet him. And even though we probably talked for maybe 20 minutes, it was still worth it. When I was going back, I was actually heading to my girlfriend's. But probably about a mile out from the Eisenhower tunnel, my Mazda just auto, all of a sudden goes from like six gear at like 70 miles per hour. It downshifted automatically to like second gear and went 40 miles per hour. And then I see some smoke coming from the hood. Uh -oh. So I veer to the uh, far right. Luckily there was no one there. I put on my blinkers to make sure and pulled over. And I didn't think to call 911. I probably should have, but good thing it was so close to the tunnel. 911 or the fire county sheriff people, they were already, they already got the call. But basically I called my girlfriend and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it to dinner. <laughs> so the car burn up? Um, yeah, it definitely smoked up. It probably took about five to 10 minutes because I was on the phone and the smoke just got more, more, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm trying to think thick. of. <laughs> yeah. Thick. It got more and more thick and probably five or 10 minutes. I was like getting all my gear out. I just had my brand new MacBook that I bought probably less than a week ago. I pulled that out, got my camera gear, got the strobe. Got everything out of there, and basically five, ten minutes go by, and I hear this big, like, big noise. And I'm already out of the car, and basically I'm moving my gear probably about ten feet backwards each time. The smoke gets more and more. This car is going to blow up. It's not going to just flame out like it's overheating. No, this car is just on fire. So I'm backing up and backing up and backing up, and then I finally hear the explosion, and my... 
hood and all that and the fire the engine just catches on fire yeah and the fire people came and i was chilling and when i finally got back to the car the whole front end was absolutely melted down and then the dashboard was melted as well the front seats were fine besides water and all the airbags deploying but the back seat you would think it's a brand new car Hmm, like nothing hit it nothing hit the back seat or the rear end but the car was still total i was glad to get a new car because i've always wanted something easier for photography i never got to use my uh, mazda for rollers which is basically tracking shots you're basically either in the back of a car ideally you want a wagon or a truck because you can have full 360 range on capturing the car that you're tracking with the camera or video. And you couldn't do that in the Mazda. So I had to borrow other people's car. So it was nice that I got to get a new car and it ended up being a truck. So rollers are much easier. Tough way to get a new car. Yeah, no, it wasn't ideal. It no. wasn't ideal. Uh, I did go semi-viral on Instagram with stories. I would range like maybe 200 views a story. I had 3,000 views in less than 24 hours and over 400 messages on a direct message. And I was like, oh, my God. I could have done like what's popular now is Instagram reels. I was so mad at myself. I didn't care that the car blew up. I was so mad that I didn't record a 10-second, a 5- to 10-second reel of like car blowing up i took phone photos but that's not better than a video well when you're in the midst of that and it's your car uh the important thing is that you're out of the car you're safe and the, you get all your gear out of the car so you don't really think of it as a, yeah, wow no, you that's a crazy story well i'm gonna crawl on your head a little bit and be a car psychologist if you were a vehicle reincarnated as a vehicle not what you want to be though it's how you perceive yourself as some kind of vehicle what would you be and why See, there's two ways that I can go about this. There's like the way that um, I picture myself as like a tow truck or something, okay. more like tow mater. Mm-hmm. When I watch cars, I always uh, related to tow mater more than Lightning McQueen. And the main thing was I just always want to help people, even now, even if it's on Instagram. If someone's asking me for advice, or I'll even give people advice just because I think they need it, and, or I don't think they need it but they could use it because I was once there and I still get advice from people I look up to. So I felt like that's in the matter that I was sort of like a tow mater because I always wanted to help people. I always want to help my friends. If they're in like trouble or something, I want to help them out or help their business or something. I'm always wanting to help. So I think that was with the tow mater. And then another way I could look at it is I'm a Porsche. It's a little bit more, it's, it's completely different, but I also yeah, feel a little that, bit. yeah, I'm highly evolving. Like every year I improve in my photography and my business side because, you know, I'm taking all the stuff that I've learned from over the years and adapting it and taking action on something. Like I've made these mistakes, but I've improved over time. Yeah. I don't make these mistakes that I made five years ago now 
Well, two very different approaches, like you said. Both make a yeah. lot of sense. So nice way to answer that question. We love books here. Is there a great book that you've enjoyed that you could share with our listeners? There's a book that I've read, and I'm sure so many people have read it before, and if they haven't, you should read it. Uh, it's called Atomic Habits uh, by, by James Clear. Uh, my friend recommended it to me, and I've read it probably a couple of times now, and I keep on rereading it because there's always something that you learn, but basically it's about developing good habits and then breaking bad habits and how to keep the good habits for a long time and not going or not reverting back to the bad habits. It's a great book. It's been recommended several times here. I like the the subtitle is an easy and proven way to build good habits and break a bad ones, just as you said. So yep. it is a great book. It's a strong book, uh, probably a, a great book that should be given to every uh, young person or, yeah. or even some old people that need to break some bad, bad habits for sure. Yeah, it's just a great beginner's book. And it's, it's a pretty easy read. It's not a 900 page book like I've read those, but this book was an easy read and I learned a lot and it was basically, it gave you a list of sort of how, a, basically a step-to-step on how to break these habits or and how to form new ones. Yeah. And it's helped me tremendously. Great reading. So I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. Don't worry about the cost because I'm paying for it today. You can take it for a run and you can take anybody with you, including somebody that perhaps is no longer with us. So somebody from the past who's deceased makes for an interesting ride so what does the ultimate drive look like for you it would be it obviously be a back canyon drive i don't know where it would be but i think i know who it would be with and it was with someone who that i met before probably when i was even younger before i got on to instagram and sort of stuff and his name is jason camisa and he's an he's now an editor at road and track but before that, he did these head-to-head videos on YouTube. I watched every single one of them. They're not available anymore, at least I don't think. And he would basically compare two vehicles, and he just made it entertaining out of all the other car YouTubers or like car information videos. He was the most entertaining by far. So I'd love to meet him again and talk more than just can I take a picture with you? And then the vehicle would definitely be, would definitely be a Porsche. Um, it would either be a Porsche 911 GT2 RS, either a 2009 or a 2019, or it would have been, or it could be a 2007 991 GT3 RS. And I got to write on that basically to garden of the gods, a guy at Porsche Colorado Springs. He took me on a drive, I think when I was 15 or something, and I rode in that Porsche. Might have been 10 minutes, and I was like, holy, I didn't even drive it. It was just such an awesome feeling. I've been in some exotic cars, and they were were so uncomfortable, but this was super comfortable. It was cool that that it was a manual. It was quick, sounded good, looks amazing. And I bet it'd be very good in back canyon drives because that's what Porsche is made for. Yeah, 
Yeah, of course. My listeners know I love Porsches. Nice choice yeah. there. I met Jason back in 2015. You know, I haven't had him on the show. I'm going to reach out to him now that his name's come up again, see if we can get him on Cars Yeah here because I do uh, admire the work that he's done. You know, if you're taking us on a fun ride, I'm just sitting here thinking about going on a back canyon ride in a GT2 or yeah. uh, an RS. is certainly fun for sure. Porsche's dialed it in over the years. Could you leave us with some parting words of inspiration or wisdom perhaps today? I mean, I guess the biggest thing that I can say is great success always comes after great failure. You know, I failed a lot. I've made mistakes. Just like I said, it's with trial and error. It's tough to run a business. It's much more tough than when I first started. And I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. All I need to do is make money. You don't (laughs) take initiative or you don't take uh, a hold of how much you're going to pay for this sort of stuff, how much gear is, how much different invoicing and apps that you need to use in order to make your business run better. You have to hire people out, contracting, uh, social media, insurance, (laughs) tax, owning an LLC, all that sort of stuff. You don't, I didn't think of that. I was like, I just want to shoot cars and I want to shoot for manufacturers and big companies. Much easier said than done. So, I mean, the (laughs) biggest thing that I can say is, You got to keep at it. Um, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. My main goal is to still work for big companies on a consistent basis and produce high quality photo and video content. There you go. How can people learn learn more about your business? The main way is through our website. Uh, It is davidglessnerworks.com. David Glessner Works. That's G-L-E-S-S-N-E-R works.com. Check out what David's doing. If you need a great photographer, videographer, give him a call, reach out and follow him. I assume you also have Instagram, right? Our Instagram is the same thing. It's David Glessner Works. Our Facebook and LinkedIn, our business pages are all David Glessner Works. There you go. And then if you want me personally, and you can chat with me personally, I have a Facebook, that's David Glessner. I have an Instagram, that's David Glessner. And then LinkedIn is David Glessner. It's all very universal. There you go. Well, that's a unique last name too, so that helps a little bit. David, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing your journey. Congratulations on where you've come and no doubt where you're going in the future. Sounds like fun. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars Yeah! is pleased to team up with TechForce Foundation, our charity of choice in bringing scholarships, technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!